History happened everywhere, a random place, a random time, and a topic pulled from the hat. The challenge for one of us to go away and find out everything they can before coming back and revealing all to the other. You're listening to... History happened everywhere. Hello, I'm Pete Goddard and you're listening to History Happened Everywhere. In the studio with me today is my good friend, colleague, and I'm pleased to say co-host, Ryan Weir. Yay, it's me. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm excited for today. I'm excited because it's our Easter special Easter and I special. love chocolate and eggs. So I'm assuming I'm going to get fed. You are, Well, it's possible. You might have to wait and find out. Hey, 25 episodes, man. 25, congratulations. Fist high five. Oh, fist bump. A uh, high five combined with a fist bump for one of the more awkward exchanges. I'm so glad this is an audio podcast right, let's and nobody again. has let's to see let's that. Let's do it again properly. <laughs> All right. right. Ready? Right. Oh, that was so uncomfortable. <laughs> you high fived my fist bump. Uh, <laughs> it feels, I'm I feel shuddering. really creepy about that whole thing. We ruined the whole 25th episode really celebration. It could have been a moment of joy and it turned out to be a creepy, awkward Black exchange. Luster cringe fest. <laughs> That's what we should put on the posters for these. Lackluster cringe fest. <laughs> <laughs> New episode coming soon. Well, they love it in Mozambique, let's not forget. <laughs> they do. They love us. <laughs> I wonder if they celebrate Easter in Mozambique. I think they probably do due to Portuguese influence. Mm. Happy Easter to you in Mozambique. Happy Easter and Mozambican chums. And everyone else. So, Ryan, what are you going to tell me? Right, well, let's find out a little bit more about where we're talking about and when we're talking about. Let's go back, way back, way back in time. Hit the rewind button. Okay, let's hit the doors later. um, The engine is running. Okay, so here we go. Right, uh, and my country is... Kazakhstan. Classic Easter country. Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan egg. Right? Everyone loves a Kazakhstan egg. <laughs> Everyone loves a Cadbury's Kazakhstan egg. Okay, here we go. And the time is... Okay, uh, the Protestant Reformation, which is 1517 to 1648. Oh, that's... that's. I mean, feels okay. I don't just know. Just over 100 years, 130 years. Uh, obviously, we're not going to run the uh, the 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 later for the subject because it is Easter. Easter. So Kazakhstan, fifteen seventeen to sixteen forty eight, and the subject of Easter. So Ryan, Protestant Reformation in Kazakhstan. It's uh, I mean I'm sick of hearing about it in some ways, but hopefully you'll find something new. You're sick of hearing about oh, it. Oh, the Kazakhstan Protestant Reformation. Come on. <laughs> Didn't you study that at university? Oh, um, just I'm, I'm, you wrote your dissertation. I'm just hoping you can bring something new to the party. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, man. So Kazakhstan and Easter. Great combo from the start. I, I immediately leapt into this research and started reaching out to people saying, hey, what's Easter like in Kazakhstan? And immediately got somewhat of a frosty reception. <laughs> <laughs> Not as so, Christian as we were hoping, is that? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll come to, 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 to that. Uh, but yeah, 1517 to 1648, so a very specific time period, about 140 years. 
and it is the Protestant Reformation. Again, we'll talk about that later. This was a really interesting one for me, and there's a lot of uh, good stuff that was happening during that time period. But how about I orient you first as to where Kazakhstan is? I'd very much like to be oriented because I'm not really sure. I've got a sort of rough regional sense, but yeah. uh, tell me. Okay, well, episode 24, we were talking about Russia. That was your episode, right? Yes, Big old Russia. So you can probably picture that, and we've sort of oriented people around that. This is a bit like when we did Austria and Liechtenstein. Because they're right tucked next to each other, tucked oh. on the edge. Yeah, uh, Kazakhstan is big. It is south of Russia. It's part of all of those stans that, that get spread east. Officially, the Republic of Kazakhstan. Oh, we like a republic. We love a republic. There's a lot of them. It uh, is part of that Central Asian uh, landmass uh, with a small portion of Eastern Europe as well. So it's sort of split between oh, the two continents. It? Yeah, it's one of those two bridge nations. Yeah. It's like Turkey. Remember when we talked about Turkey being the land bridge between Europe and Asia? Yes. Well, this is, Kazakhstan is considered the land bridge between Europe and East Asia. Right. Similar sort of thing. Uh, it has borders with Russia, obviously, towards the north. China in the east. Uh, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan in the south. So all on the southern feeling border. feeling your stands now, yes. Those are the stands we were talking about. And uh, Mongolia, whilst it doesn't actually border on it, it is only just 37 kilometers away. So almost touching distance if you had a 37 kilometer long arm. I have long arms. I could give it a go. Give it a go, right? Uh, how big do you think Kazakhstan is, given that you don't really know anything about it? How um, many Frances? I'm going to say, because you said big, so I'm going yeah. to use that and Damn say it. four Frances. Oh! Ding, 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 oh, ding, 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 no ding. I'm going to put a little sound effect in. That's amazing. <laughs> it's literally four Frances. Oh, 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 oh. You've been looking at my no, notes. That was pure guesswork, my friend. That's amazing. You did give the game away when you said it was big. Yeah, Otherwise. but that's not like... Getting four, exactly. That's amazing. Claim my prize later. That was really good. Anyway, yeah, so uh, 2.7 million square kilometers, 1 million square miles. So it's pretty big. It's the ninth largest country in the world. Doesn't have a high profile for such a big place, does it? You would think so, yeah. It's the world's largest landlocked country, which we've talked about before. There's no ocean that connects uh, to the border. It is divided into 14 distinct regions. Uh, Astana is the capital city, and Almata is the largest city. There we go. I always find that interesting, that it seems to be relatively frequent that the biggest city and the capital city are not necessarily the same thing. Yeah, not here in England, though. No, no, not at all. So, big place, ninth largest in the world, yet only 18.8 million residents. Wow, that's thin. Super thin. 20% are Russian. Ah, did they have a similar the Russification a where the Russians were kind of being pushed in during the Soviet Union? Is that sort of... You will find out very shortly oh, okay. when we go through the history. But yes, that's pretty much exactly what happened. Uh, oil and gas. Uh, those are the big things that come out of Kazakhstan. It makes it the more financially dominant country in Central Asia because of that. And in fact, it generates just on its own, it generates 60% of the region's GDP. Wow, but it doesn't bring in the people, funnily enough. It doesn't bring in the people. 19 million people. That's not very much. But then, you know, you look at the sort of the geography of the area and it's very sort of arid, desert-like area. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a built-up area. Kazakh facts. <laughs> I love a Kazakh fact. Kazakh facts. Me. All right. Uh, Calais in France. Yes. Yeah, you can drive from there to East Kazakhstan. East Kazakhstan on one road. <laughs> yeah, the E50. 
and it's 5,300 miles. Wow. Yeah, you don't need sat-nav for that. No, you just keep going for just keep going. four days. <laughs> and then <laughs> Probably longer than that for 5,300 5, miles, miles, I'm guessing. Yeah. Anyway, so that's fact number one. Fact number Can two. So oh, no, I can't. I can't let that go because now I'm thinking you set your sat nav. Yeah. It goes. Continue. Keep going. Continue. <laughs> continue. And eventually, it's going to go turn left, and you're like, "Whoa!" Yeah, you freak <laughs> you'd be out. Surprise, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, Semipalatinsk. Semipalatinsk. Um, it is an area of um, Kazakhstan. Where it is due to all the nuclear testing that the Russians were doing during the Soviet period, uh, is now an area considered more contaminated than Chernobyl. Yet no wow. one talks about it, and it's not fully Palatinsk. How so? It's only semi-Palatinsk. Oh, I see. Oh, I should have got that. That was a joke. That was good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, I feel so stupid sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> semi-palatinsk <laughs> so it was not a good it. joke right? no, it, was it was good it was, I like it it's fine uh, whilst so, we're, t- we're talking about so it was more sorry sorry I've, I've again got to go back over that it's more radioactive than yeah it's more Chernobyl. contaminated Contam- than Chernobyl because of what because it? of all the nuclear testing that was happening during oh, the, the Soviet era oh okay that's the area that the Soviets picked I guess like uh, Bikini Atoll was for the Americans during the Imperium they just bombed the heck out of these areas that's what they were doing all their nuclear testing right. um, for the soviet union i mean bikini atoll as bad as it was for the local people is a small island surrounded by uninhabited water rather yeah. than a landlocked area <laughs> that seems like a... where people live yeah i yeah. mean granted not many people but still yeah and it's uh, it's likely to be contaminated for a long time as you would imagine 100 of the elements on the periodic table can be found in kazakhstan I feel like I should be impressed, but yeah. I'm not sure how many of the elements on the periodic table are traditionally available in any given country. Five. No way. No, that's not true. Ah. I made that up. Well, that's a Dursley question. It's. A, I mean, that feels like a Paul Dursley question, and he's sitting there shouting at us right now. Yeah, how many? Sorry, but Paul. <laughs> it, it, it was in the research that I found that it was significant enough that I thought 100 of the elements. It's a lot of elements, for it's sure. It's a lot, and That's right? got to be like, including gold and silver. Yeah. And I mean, that's more elements than I helium. thought existed anyway. Now, or, now he is shouting at the radio. Yeah. <laughs> or I got this wrong and there's just a hundred elephants that live in Kazakhstan. <laughs> it's one of those two. And they periodically come to the table yeah. <laughs> to have lunch. That's right. Okay. Uh, and uh, Kazakh fact, final for Kazakh fact, uh, genetic tests show that Kazakhstan is actually the home of the apple, the humble apple that we might eat. Oh, really? Yeah, that's where it originates from. And Almata, which is the capital city, is apple, is its name. The, the big, big apple. apple. yeah, <laughs> Or the Kazakhstani apple. That's great. The there cradle of apple civilization. There it is. So, do you want to hear some history? I would love to. How much? Um, Out of 10. Out of 10? Yeah. 9.79. Okay. That's quite a lot. I know, but there's still room for improvement. There is. There's a lot more history that can be told. Okay, let's go through some history. Inhabited since the Paleolithic era. Seems like everywhere's inhabited since the Paleolithic era. Oh, those Paleoliths got around, didn't they? They did get around. Uh, Early man, he kept showing up, didn't he? Yeah. It's those little pedal cars they had. (laughs) (laughs) Little feet pop out of the bottom. Feet the bottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah, They just pedal really fast. (laughs) Uh, So it's a key part of the step route 
which is the ancestor of the Silk Roads, which we've talked about previously before, the big trading area. Uh, it's where we see the first domestication of the horse, which are really ponies, but we're calling them horses for the now, and that's in this region. Um, there are a number of nomadic groups in this area at the time. There are tribes, empires. It, it just seems to sort of percolate with different bubbles of, of populations all spreading around all, all during this period. Uh, 329 BC, Alexander the Great, his army arrive, fight against the Scythians. Um, and then for a thousand years, it's just this mix of tribes. They're just invading and settling, uh, including the Arabs, who at this point start to introduce Islam. And that's what sort of happens, like I say, for a, a thousand years, and up until around about the 13th century, and then things start to get a little bit more interesting. It starts to solidify in terms of culture and community. And much of that is due to Genghis Khan, who invades with his golden horde, uh, which is like the western branch of the Mongol Empire. Western branch. The western branch, yeah. The regional the re- manager <laughs> of the western branch of the golden horde. Hello, I'm coming, coming to destroy through. your town. <laughs> <laughs> Could just sign here. Thank you very much. Uh, Kazakhstan is then it just falls under a succession of those Mongol rulers and for the next 200 years it's nomadic life it's where you start getting the Kazakh language starts to emerge you start seeing more of the culture and the traditions start to kick in the economy starts to cement itself so a couple hundred years later uh, and the ruling structure changes and it splits into several groups now called the Khanates which is an awesome name and the Kazakh Khanate um, starts officially in around about 1465, so just before where 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 we're looking at in our time period, and it's in the late 15th century, so late 1400s, the Kazakh Empire starts to rule that entire region, and they are feared by all. Um, so Mongols has now disappeared and it's now the Kazakh Khanate that are ruling that area. It's said that they were so powerful that they could command 200,000 horsemen and bring them into battlefield at any time. So a lot of horses racing at you. But good for the roses. So... <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to our time period, kind of, kind of. They're about 16th century, and uh, as we've said, so they're now ruling that whole, pretty much the whole of the Central Asia. And at the head of the empire is a guy called Kasim Khan, um, and he ruled the Kazakh Khanate uh, during 1511 to 1523. So he was only there in 12 years, um, but under his rule, we see the Kazakh Khanate at its greatest strength. It is the the biggest force in that area. And in 1520, he defeats their number one enemy, which is the Nogai Horde. And he expands their borders even further. Population reaches about one million people. It's a huge people that he's looking after. And you'd think that his focus would be on making sure that his borders are protecting all these things. But actually, he was a, a big supporter of the arts. He loved literature, uh, religion. He allowed Islam to sort of become a firm part of their culture and uh, have this huge sort of importance on the Kazakh society, which still lingers there today. So do we know, I mean, what is a Akhan? Akhan is presumably a leadership title is it yeah is it like i guess a sultan and a king and they're all sort of equivalent leadership the khan titles. is at the top so the, the king i guess and uh yeah and so his empire starts to become known he starts getting a bit more um worldwide recognition so europe starts to become aware of the kazakh khanate and their their reputation starts to expand out into western europe i mean an influencer definitely and so part of that culture and establishing 
the, the, the people, the Kazakh people, is that he introduced the first code of laws in 1520, and he called them the Bright Road of Kasim Khan. And that sort of laid out the instructions on how people should be living their lives and the punishments if they did not. I, 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 you can see that's quite a clever naming, isn't it? Because if you said, well, the Bright Road of Kasim Khan says mm. you should do this, you think, well, that does sound like a book I should be following. Yeah, the Bright Road. Okay. <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, so by the end of this period, the Kazakhs had almost entirely converted to Islam now. It was less strict than perhaps in other areas. Uh, it was, you know, it's sort of more informal religion. Now, Kasim has several sons and they go on to uh, control the, the Khanate and take that further. Um, but their authority starts to weaken and it weakens because um, they split themselves up into three different hordes. You've got the Great Horde, the Middle Horde and the Little Horde. Which oh, you don't want to be head of the little horde. Come on. <laughs> oh no, the little horde's coming. It's like, come oh, on, no. guys. <laughs> We're yeah. scary though. We're the fierce little horde. Yeah, you're still yeah. the little horde. You're still the little one. <laughs> um, but in each of those hordes, the Khans uh, had to rely on the tribal chieftains, which were known as the sultans. So they're like the next step down. So you had to rely on those guys. You had to keep them in favor, uh, but they were just massively unreliable. And that was a real problem. If you're rushing into battle and suddenly the tribal chieftain just isn't there with his people, that that's an issue. And so... <laughs> that is an excellent understatement. Yeah. Charge. Charge. Oh, it's just me then. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Sultan! <laughs> and so Kasim's last son, um, Hak Nazir, uh, he reunites those three hordes. They don't exist anymore, and he just strengthens the empire into one again. Uh, but tempor temporarily, it's this doesn't last. By the 17th century, the empire starts to fragment again for pretty much the same reasons. And by 1731, the Kazakhs have to go to Russia and say, hey, we need some help from these rival tribes that are stepping in and, and trying to take, well, and are taking over our land. So the Russians, rubbing their hands profusely, advance into the Kazakh steppe. Delighted to help out. <laughs> delighted to help out, indeed. And by the mid-19th century, they start to rule Kazakhstan as part of the Russian Empire. That's where the colonization starts. After 1917... Uh, the Russian Revolution. That area, the territory, is reorganized several times. And in 1936, it's made part of the Soviet Union, known as the uh, Kazakh Soviet Socialist Republic, which is quite a strong name, isn't it? And up until 1991, they are literally Kazakhstan is the last to declare independence from the Soviet Union. And that brings us up to where we are today. That was a good tour. I like that. Thanks, man. So do you want to hear the uh, Kazakhstan national anthem? I'm hoping for something martial and exciting. All right, let's have a listen, shall we? Marshall, and then at the bridge, I thought it was going to suddenly turn into a sort of drum and bass or something. <laughs> I had a moment where I thought it was going to really transition into something quite different. I but like then, it. I thought it was terrific. I felt like a proud Kazakh. For gets a me there. all. Gets me all aroused. It it is rousing that one. Yeah. Do I mean roused or aroused? Well, both would apply. I would imagine. Okay. Just aroused really has broader <laughs> implications. <laughs> but okay, it applies. Okay. 
I'm sticking with it. Just before we leave the history and the time period, let me tell you about 1517 to 1648, because I didn't know very much about this. I had heard of the Protestant Reformation and I knew bits of it. I hadn't put it all together and I didn't really understand it. So let me let me just run you through. Good to know what the Protestant Reformation is, given that that's the period we're talking Indeed. About. So, 1517, a German monk called Martin Luther thinks that the Catholic Church is just a bit too strict, right? And it's too powerful, it's too corrupt, and taking things too literally, right? Like, the Catholic Church is saying this bread and wine, once you eat it, actually literally turns into the body and blood of Christ. Luther was like, it's symbolic, it's just bread and wine, and it's 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 not really blood and, and body. So this, amongst a number of other things, he writes a document called the 95 Theses, and he nails it to a church door. He nailed it. And so a group of people come along and they're like, what's this? Stuck to the door. I'm going to read this. And they're like, this is kind of cool. I agree with this. And those people start to follow um, uh, Martin Luther and they become known as Protestants. Oh. Right. And so Martin Luther and his Protestants, Protestants, attempt to reform the Catholic Church. They start to try and get it to make some changes. Now, the Catholics famously don't want to make any changes. They like the way that things are, and so they don't make any changes. And so for about 140 years, there is this split in theology, and it divides Europe. There are those people that absolutely support the Protestant theology, and there's those that are deeply, rootedly Catholic and don't want to see it changed. Um, so some Protestant ideas are adopted, and other countries just ignore them completely, especially the, the, the Catholic-based countries. The Spanish Inquisition is formed to root out Protestants. It's a period of revolution, of war, and persecution. And in Russia, the first Protestant churches are starting to be built. German missionaries are heading into that area, out onto the steppe to convert the Kazakhs into the Christian way of life. So that's where we are and that's how that sort of ties in somewhat with what's going on in Western Europe, with what's going on in Central Asia. Okay. Should we talk about Easter? Let us talk about Easter. All right, let's talk about Easter. So, Jesus Christ... And Easter. <laughs> what? I thought that was a strong open. <laughs> okay, the Easter story. It's at the heart of Christianity. Um, it remembers the story, for those people that don't know, of Jesus Christ's execution by crucifix, his body being buried in a cave, and his subsequent resurrection by God. That's the story. Uh, it's unlike the Christmas story, which is much more focused on his birth. Um, you know, his, his virgin Christmas birth. story. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit more. Yeah, there are gifts and all sorts. This one less so. Easter commemorates the sort of that that belief that Jesus sacrificed himself and endured great suffering to redeem humanity from sin. It's why. Many churches in Eastern Europe consider Easter to be more important than Christmas, and uh, it's why it's celebrated in a larger scale in, in many cases. Uh, there are two main churches which celebrate Easter. Um, this is Christian churches. There is the Western churches, which Catholic, Protestant, Anglican, those type of churches. And then you've got Eastern Orthodox. These are the Orthodox churches that you might have heard of, the Oriental churches and those churches that are affiliated with the Roman Catholic Church. 
believing same stuff, just different ways and approaches to it. Now, and they, they almost derived, though, didn't they, from the Eastern and Western Roman empires? Yes, exactly. Which we've talked about a couple of on a couple of these episodes. They've come up, right? haven't they? And they tend to celebrate Easter at slightly different times. So the Eastern Orthodox Church um, celebrates Easter either at the same time or up to one to four or maybe even five weeks after the Western churches. And the reason for that being is that in the 16th century, most Christians followed what was known as the Julian calendar, which was established by Julius Caesar in the year 46 BC. But the Julian calendar had been sort of misunderestimated, like it, it, it miscalculated the duration of the Earth's orbit around the sun. So um, there's like a difference of about a, a week between what real time is and uh, the, the calendar time. So in 1582, which is during the period that we're talking about, the Protestant Reformation, Pope Gregory VIII um, he gets together a crack team of astronomers and scientists and mathematicians. Calendar manufacturers. <laughs> exactly. And he says, right, do me some math, people, and work out a better calendar. And so that's what happened. And they create the Gregorian calendar. And it meant dropping some days because they realized, oh, we're, you know, there's, there's a week too much here. So by papal decree, he decides that the 4th of October is fine. That's a regular day. The next day which should have been the 5th of October, suddenly becomes the 15th of October. So I, I know a little bit about this, actually, because certainly in the, I think it was in the UK, mm -hmm. there was huge protests about this lost time uh, and people were upset. And when someone first introduced me to this idea, I thought, well, that's silly because it's, yeah. the next day is still the next day. Until the very night where I was doing a night shift when I had to put the clocks back. Yeah. And then you're <laughs> and I like, went from oh. it's one o'clock and now it's midnight again. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, time is passing, but I have been cheated here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, you know what? It took, it, it, it caused a real problem, right? Particularly those Protestants that we were talking about that were like, well, you know what? We're not going to listen to a Catholic Pope telling us what to do and what not to do. So they just ignored the Gregorian calendar and continued with the Julian calendar. And uh, what that meant was that you've got different people across Europe all using different calendars, which meant that you receive a letter from a Frenchman that hadn't been sent yet because the date he sent it was <laughs> prior to you receiving. So you received it before he even wrote it. Uh, yeah, so there was all sorts of I think your pizza is problems. free in, under those circumstances. <laughs> yeah. If your pizza arrives before you ordered it, it's free. <laughs> yeah. It's astonishing. Anyway, so there was this period where, you know, there was these d extra 10 days that, that were just missing. Anyway, the Orthodox churches decide that they're going to stay faithful to the Julian calendar. And so the dates differ even to today. Culturally, everyone's moved non-religiously. They've moved to the Gregorian calendar anyway, just because that just seems to be the way forward. But for religion and religious purposes, the Julian calendar is still adhered to. Um, so Easter is May the 2nd, 2021. So that's why... I'm comfortable doing this episode when we're doing it and whenever it gets released, because for somebody well, somewhere, it's going to be Easter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody somewhere, Easter is there. So that's kind of uh, the Christian aspect of Easter. So Muslims and Easter and Jesus Christ. Let's talk a bit about that. As I was told <laughs> at the very beginning of my research, <laughs> very few Catholics in Kazakhstan. Uh, in fact, 72% of the Kazakh population are Muslim. I thought you were going to say 72 Catholics. From <laughs> yeah, and these are not far names. off, not far <laughs> off. Uh, yeah, for 25% of the population are sort of Russian Orthodox, um, which are sort of those ethnic Russians, Ukrainians, Belarusians. Big furry hats. 
big furry hats. That's right. So they've got about 2,300 mosques versus about 1,000 churches. So you can see how the, the split is heavily in, in favor of Islam and, and, and the Muslims. So for Muslims, Jesus, and this is, this is where it gets a bit confusing for me, and I didn't quite understand it, but now I think I have a, a better grip of this. So apologies to anybody out there if I'm if I've misunderstood, feel free to tweet us at HHE podcast and let me know if I get anything wrong here. But as I understand it, Jesus is considered one of the greatest men in Islam. Uh, the Quran refers to Jesus as the messenger of God, the word of God, and the spirit from God. In fact, 93 verses of the Quran refer to Jesus of Nazareth more than any other prophet except Muhammad. Now, uh, the Prophet Muhammad considered Jesus as his brother, and millions of Muslims uh, are named after Jesus and Mary, Isaiah and Maryam. I'm definitely pronouncing those wrong. In fact, a belief in Jesus is a, is a requirement. It's an absolute requirement if you're a Muslim. So Jesus Christ exists, right? There's no, they're not questioning that. That, that is, is part of it. So they believe that Jesus was mortal. Uh, he was born of a virgin, that he healed the sick and gave sight to the blind, he raised the dead. He was a prophet like Adam, Noah, Moses, Abraham, David, Solomon, you know, Job, John the Baptist. They believe that he was a Muslim and that Jesus is the Messiah. According to sayings of the prophet, which is second only to the Quran in Islamic authority, Jesus was assumed into heaven and will return at the end of time in the east of Damascus, his hands resting on the shoulders of two angels. When it sees him, the Antichrist will dissolve like salt in water and Jesus will rule the earth for 40 years. So firstly, mm -hmm. I definitely want to be there when the Antichrist dissolves like a salt in water. Salt in water, yeah. That's something I want to see. Sure. It's like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, isn't it? <laughs> uh, secondly, yeah. uh, 40 years though doesn't seem like much. That's a long wait for a 40-year rule. Still 40 years though. You can get a lot achieved in 40 years. Plus I'll take 40 years of paradise actually now I think about it. There you go, it. right? But what they don't believe is that Jesus is the son of God, okay? Well then we should find continuously about that <laughs> indeed <laughs> uh, they uh, don't believe that he was almighty they don't believe that he's eternal um, they don't believe that he redeemed the sins of humankind um, by his sacrifice that he didn't die on the cross uh, the quran's fourth surah verse 157 says they did not kill him couldn't have been more specific nor did they crucify him though it was made to look like that to them so this is where there is some sort of variation in that interpretation uh, amongst the faith. Some say it was someone who people mistook as Jesus on the cross, Judas, in some cases, some people think it is. Some say that God changed someone's face to just resemble Jesus in that sort of Mission Impossible style way where they face changes and that Jesus was actually spared. Uh, some say that God changed the vision of those who witnessed the event. So they thought they were seeing Jesus, but it was just they were they were misseeing. And then there were some that say that Jesus was nailed to the cross, but he survived it. And the resurrection uh, was actually a resuscitation because he survived. He never actually died. So there's, 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 there's loads of, of ways that could work, right? <laughs> That's, that was a lot of different ways that different that could ways. be the case. Yeah, but there seems to, the, the point being that the key part of the Christian faith isn't something that the Muslims believe in. 
However, Muslims believe that the holidays of every religion are the right of the people who follow them. In fact, part of being a good Muslim is in protecting the rights of everyone, no matter their religious beliefs. Um, they have no problem with non-Muslims celebrating non-Muslim holidays. But Easter is a celebration based on that idea, you know, that that uh, Jesus was Allah's son, um, who Allah allowed to be killed for our sins and then resuscitated. And they, they, they don't believe that. And so they just don't celebrate Easter. That being said, <laughs> in Kazakhstan, there are some children, the Muslim children, sometimes knock on their neighbors' doors and say, Christ was resurrected, and then be rewarded with illicit Easter treats, cakes and so on, by these neighbors. Right. And they will go door to door in these apartment complexes, just literally filling like their swag bag well, with treats. I mean, the deal is, do you, you want to <laughs> party or do you not want to party? Because those are your options. I'm going to go with party. Yeah, yeah. So there you are. I like it. What we have now is we have a little uh, a little game that we're going to play. I love games. Mm, it's called an Easter egg hunt. Hang on. This is a well-known thing, surely. Yeah. And this is a Kazakhstan thing? No, this is an Easter thing for our Easter episode special. Ah, okay. Uh, that will help us guide us on our way through to the next few topics to talk about. Is so it you're a game that help- I can beat you at? Uh, no, I've decided to move very strongly away from <laughs> games that you might be able to beat me at. <laughs> I would love an Easter egg hunt, Ryan. Okay, well, there are Easter eggs hidden in the studio. No. Yes. There are seven eggs in the studio. Four of them contain subjects I'm going to talk about, and three others have a little surprise. So I'm just going to... Um, so you're going to go and have a hunt and I'm find hunt me an egg. and find you eggs. Yeah, find well, one egg, and then we're going to take it in turns. Yeah, find you an egg. Yeah, go find me an egg. Okay. you got you got time. Go, find go, an egg. I'm doing it, I'm doing it. I'm finding an egg. He's uh, looking currently through things, pot plants and such. I've got one. I've got one. He's got an egg. An egg. Egg number one. I have an egg. Okay. I have an egg. So I have an egg. Describe. What have I'm you got? Put my headphones on. Okay. It's it's a yellow egg. It looks like a little chick. It's got a little. Oh, it's got a cute little face. Aww. Oh, it's got. Oh, it's got chocolate. In it. It's got chalk. Oh, it's on the floor. Now, now. this is complicated because I have to read something out. But there's chalk available. All right. What is it? What does it say? Is it a number? <laughs> no, it says <gasps> something. Then you have got a non-section, which is Kazakhstan jokes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Our famous well, festival tradition. Here we go. Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan jokes. jokes. So, okay. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm glad you explained that this was a joke because it's not immediately evident. <laughs> it might not be at the end either. Okay. <laughs> if Nyman kissed you, count your teeth. Right? Yeah. Right? teeth nyman do you like that one i no idea what it means (laughs) i didn't know either so this was a request that i put out on reddit for some for some kazakhstan jokes on our kazakhstan so thank you everyone who submitted your jokes um you did a great job and uh this one in particular i had to ask as well because i was unclear in fact i had to ask about most of these jokes because i didn't get them but then you would be they're regional right right? and they're cultural so this one the nyman is a kazakh tribe and they are known to be quite thrifty and careful with Ah, that's a good joke then on review i'm going to say it again say it again if nyman have kissed you 
Count your teeth. Right. That's good. That's actually they, good. I like they that. love stolen your teeth. I approve. That's a thumbs up. Kazakhstan jokes. Kazakhstan jokes. <laughs> That's going in. <laughs> All right, I'm going again. Egg, egg number two. I can eat my chocolate on the way. Yeah. Ah, he's going number two. I've got one. I've got stop the clock. Stop, stop the, the clock. clock. Stop the clock. I've got him a chocolate. Easter egg number Me two. Me chocolate. Oh, oh, hang on. There's more chocolate. Right, I have a. Oh, I've got a number. I've got a number. Oh, okay, cool. And this the is number good. is yeah. Three. Okay. <gasps> the mysterious stone eggs of Mangashlak. Firstly, I love the word Mangashlak. Yeah. I'm already in. Okay. So these are the mysterious stone eggs of Mangashlak. The Mangastal region is in western Kazakhstan. Okay. And it's mostly desert. There are mountains and mountain ridges. All across the region, scattered in their thousands, as if dropped from the sky, are enormous, almost perfect, spherical stones. These are a natural phenomenon. Some are the size of beach balls. Some are bigger than cars. These are enormous, and they are quite stunning to look at. They are a sort of a red, uh, yellow, ochre kind of colour. So um, are they standing on their own, or are they like just a bunch of them all around just the place? rolling around. Uh -huh. Yeah, they are estimated to be approximately 120 to 180 million years old mm. these stones and they appear almost unnaturally perfect as if they've been produced by machines they are flawlessly round in many cases a lot I feel of them are, I feel a, a Ryan trademark conspiracy theory <laughs> coming it's on it's coming up <laughs> only an alien could produce these rocks that's right <laughs> it's true let's not go down this road but it's true <laughs> <laughs> it's a mystery. No one solved it yet. That means that it's still in there as, a, as an option. Rock. They perch on hilltops. They are in ravines. They are everywhere. They're um, they're they're just they just scattered like billiard balls basically. And they are have been interpreted as being everything from giants, cannonballs to prehistoric eggs. Sometimes they even appear in like mile long lines, um, like a necklace of beads. According to folklore, this, they represent the bodies of attacking invaders frozen into place by a powerful holy man, which is kind of oh, cool. I like that. That's yeah, nice. That's, that's one theory. But most scientists believe that they are developed on what, because the area used to be a seabed, right? So they think that Perhaps they were created a bit like a uh, oyster pearl, you know, like how you'd have like a bit of grit in an oyster and then dirt and things attract to it. And it sort of creates the pearl around that piece oh, of right. dirt. They think maybe these stones were something to do with that, where like all the mi was minerals that, so was that a science calcify around someone's just Yeah, no, these are oh, okay. scientists believe it. That's what, what, that's what the prevailing theory is. However, there is one geologist who thinks that actually, and this is kind of cool, is that they are the result of electricity in the Earth's crust. So if you go down into the crust, there is this underground lightning and it strikes by volcanism as the Earth's crust is sort of moving around. So these, these mile-long bolts of lightning that shoot through the Earth um, and they create plasma fireballs which is just badass. Well, you had me at plasma fireballs, plasma obviously. Plasma fireballs. <laughs> and that these plasma fireballs pull together minerals from the crust, and then they get rolled around between the layers of rock, 
like uh, grains of flour in a millstone. And then those are just deposited out onto onto land. I like it. I'm not sure what to believe, but I'm excited. Yeah. Anyway. so and I that, love the word mangoschlag still. Mangoschlag. So there you go. Those are the mysterious stone eggs. Mysterious stone eggs of mangoschlag. Of mangoschlag. I mean, if someone offered me a book called The Mysterious Stone Eggs of Mangoschlag, mm-hmm. I would read that immediately. <laughs> I would it, drop everything to read that book. And it contained plasma fireballs. Well, I mean, how has this not been written? I don't yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. This story needs to be told, Ryan. That's true. Um, right. That was that one. We've run to the next egg hunt. But before you begin, I've forgotten something very important for your egg hunting... Divining rods? Yeah, pretty much. One second. <laughs> egg finding device. Is this rabbit ears by any chance? It does feel like rabbit ears. It's rabbit ears. Oh, I can feel I can sense eggs. I can sense eggs. I can sense them now. <laughs> Whereas before you were just, and now I was just guessing. Right? I was just looking around, looking around like some like kind of idiot. human idiot. <laughs> but now I've got now rabbit you powers. Like you are gonna I'm be going to be so awesome. <laughs> straight away, it. All right. I was straight on that. Egg number three. Unbelievable behaviour. The power of the ears. Ah, oh, the ears are working. I can feel them. I'm throbbing. I can feel my rabbit powers emerging. So, will it be Kazakhstan joke? <laughs> I could get the headphones on around them. That's fine. Amazing. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> you look so good. <laughs> Kazakhstan jokes, my friend. Here we friend. go. All right. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> If Kazakh says he doesn't brag, he brags about the fact that he doesn't brag. (laughs) 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 Kazakhstan joke. Those crazy Kazakhs. Do you understand that one? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you understand that one? Yeah, they just can't help bragging. They're just, they're braggarts. They brag. The Kazakhs, they're just bragging all the time. I'm a Kazakh. Look at me. You've got all my bragging skills. It's a good joke. They've got bragging skills. It's a good joke. I like it. Yeah. I'm going again. (laughs) (laughs) Four out there. Hidden somewhere. Some are trickier than others. He's rooting around in the foliage. Will he find egg number four? Egg number four. Will it be a Kazakhstan joke? Yeah, yeah, got one. Egg found! All right, here we go. So, will it be a Kazakhstan joke? Tension builds. Oh my God, there's like an essay in this one. (laughs) Kazakhstan jokes. Okay. This is a longer joke. There's several pages. Yeah, there's several pages of joke on this one. To be continued on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, Are your sides uh, sufficiently uh, bound together? Ready to split. A Russian, Uzbek, and Kazakh suffered a ship wreckage. Yeah. They ended up at an uninhabited island. The Russian built a house. Yeah. The Uzbek made a kitchen garden. Yeah. The (laughs) Kazakh disappeared somewhere. Yeah. One night, when Russian and Uzbek were sitting at home, somebody knocked at the door. Yeah. Who's that? <laughs> Police, open the door, said Kazakh. That's the joke. That's it. <laughs> I don't get it. 
I didn't get it either. Uh, so the, the let's, so let's the, work it through. So the Kazakh, There's I think it's the Kazakh being clever. So the other guys built stuff, and the yeah. Kazakhs gone. I'm going to just be the policeman and just take it all afterwards. Is that the idea? He's going to take it all. Yeah, he's like police open the door. Now this is my kitchen and garden, probably. <laughs> And that's Kazakh jokes. Kazakh jokes. Hey, go the Kazakhs. I feel I should do a Kazakh dance at this point, but I don't know any Kazakh dancers. Well, funnily so enough, a Kazakh, you do know a Kazakh dance. Oh, do I? Because, yeah, Kazakh is Cossack. also Cossack. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's a revelation. I'm going to go... Egg hunting. Egg hunting. Those ears are a-twitching. There's three left. Egg hunt. So fun. No, it's in this area here. There's three more eggs. I've got one! Alright! What's this egg five? I think it's egg five. I don't know how you've hidden so many eggs in such a small think... and open space and I can't find them. <laughs> <laughs> right, here we go, here we go, here we go. Okay. Uh, the number is two. Number two. Okay, so this one should be somewhat close to home. The Easter Bunny. <gasps> Like me. Yeah, like you. Uh, otherwise known as the Toloi Hare. That's what this section's called. Mm. In the ancient pagan festival of Erster. Again, I don't know how that's pronounced, so I'm just going to say... Erster. 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 Like, you have to be, like, old world mm. spiritual. Erster. Anyway, in the ancient pagan festival of Erster, they honoured the goddess of fertility and spring. Now... Just so happened that the goddess's animal symbol was a rabbit ah. or a hare, which traditionally symbolizes fertility because they're they're good at that having relations, famously busy sexual on that front. relations with each other a lot. Yeah, high reproduction rates. That's why ancient Egyptians they saw the hare as a symbol of fertility too. Uh, the Greeks believed that the hare was a hermaphrodite in that they had sexual organs of both. Uh, and the idea that a hare could reproduce without loss of virginity led to the association through the Christian church of the Virgin Mary. Ah. And so you start to see the hare and the rabbit become a motif in a lot of the medieval church art, uh, illustrated manuscripts, paintings, a uh, virgin and child, there'll be a little rabbit in there somewhere. Um, yeah, all linking it towards fertility. Um, and so it's uh, it becomes adopted pretty much as the symbol of Easter through that connection, the fertility and, and spring. In Germany in the 1700s, uh, inspired by Santa Claus, uh, there comes Osterhase, Osterhase or Osterhase, um, who was a hare who would lay colourful eggs as gifts for children who were good. Well, the Osterhase has been very busy in your apartment, right? Yeah, he sure has. Um, now, there is only one species of hair native to Kazakhstan. That lays eggs. That lays eggs, yeah. <laughs> chocolate eggs, specifically. And it is the Toloi hair. Um, it's about two feet long. Uh, with tall, Two feet long, that's two pretty feet good. Long. That's it's a, a good size. Big-sized hair, yeah. Tall ears, a bit like yourself. And a light, <laughs> sandy, brown or grey coat. Uh, it lives in the sort of semi-desert, arid areas, are ro rocky, uh, very few trees and shrubs, but it sort of lives around those just to give it a little bit of shelter. It lives alone uh, in a small territory of about two hectares. Yeah, so it has the equivalent, I think I looked it up, it was, there are 93 million hair territories to a France. 
<laughs> All right, that's good to know. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, hair country is smaller than uh, France. France, yeah, <laughs> and it reproduces quickly, um, but a little less than other species, perhaps because of the environment. I don't know. Uh, only one or two times a year, um, producing about one to nine hairs. Um, so I guess eighteen a year, uh, and it reaches sexual maturity only after six months. Well, well that's part of how you get yeah. busy, right? Uh, nocturnal species, which makes sense given its uh, nocturnal activities. Mm, know what I mean? I certainly do. Uh, <laughs> it can run really fast, up to 50 miles an hour. No way! That's pretty fast. I love it. Yeah. And it digs a burrow, like you would expect a rabbit or a hare to do, but only when it's breeding. It doesn't want to be showing off. It's uh, likes it private. Um, but otherwise, it just sort of scrapes a little depression in the ground and just lies in it to go to sleep. Isn't that sweet? I don't know why I like that fact. When it's colder, it digs a slightly deeper... <laughs> just lies in a little hole <laughs> goes to bed this will do <laughs> this, this is it i can't be bothered to dig further uh it's hunted as you might imagine for its meat and for its fur for food medicine and clothing uh used in uh for felting anyway it does not lay eggs so far as we know i mean it just doesn't because it's a mammal right? no is it we don't know we don't know okay yeah, and that will be forever a mystery forever kids. a mystery <laughs> all right more eggs how many left? Hang on, we've got seven. Two right? left, I think. Okay, no, two, four, five. Yep, okay, I'm going. He's off. Ears don't fail me now. Oh, you are very warm there. I have it. Hooray! Fiend. Egg number six. It's a number. <laughs> it's a number. Number four. Number four. Okay. Let's talk Nauruts. Sorry? Nauruts. Nauruts? Yeah. That's All right, let's talk Nowlets. Let's talk Nowlets. Well, you talk Nowlets, and then I'll talk Nowlets <laughs> yeah. after, after that. After I've spoken about <laughs> it. Okay, Nowlets, it's a festival. It is celebrated by hundreds of millions of people every year, mm. which is surprising. I've never heard Passed of it. Passed us by, didn't it? Yeah, it did, yeah. Uh, many of which are in Kazakhstan. It is the big festival there. Uh, it's the holiday festival. It marks the arrival of spring, and it's the start of a new year. Um, it literally means new day. It's an ancient uh, holiday and it dates back over 5,000 years and it begins with the origins in Zoroastrianism. Uh, Do you know Zoroastrianism? I'm aware of it. I'm not a huge man about it. I knew nothing about it. Uh, so let me tell you a little bit about Zoroastrianism. Firstly, before you do, yeah. it is the coolest named of all the religions. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Also known as Mazdayazna. Also a great name. It's got two great names. Mazda being a god of light, hence Mazda light bulbs. There you are. That's exactly right. Uh, it's one of the world's oldest still practiced religions. So old. 5,000 years. It's based on the teachings of the prophet Zarathustra, or Zoroastra, as the ancient Greeks called him. So let me tell you about Zoroastra. Zoroastra was getting fed up with war and rape and pillage. I'm fed up with it myself, so I can understand how he feels. Okay. Well, he's 30 years old. And he gets a vision from a being of light that tells him the secrets of the universe. Pretty good, isn't it? Had he been drinking, just for the record? It's entirely possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is one... These are. This is what he's told, all right? Because immediately he just goes and tells everyone. There is one eternal god known as Uhura Mazda, which means wise lord. And uh, this lord is good and loving and wise. He is the creator of the world. Then there is the destructive force, the one called Angra Menu, who is darkness, deceit, death, and decay. And he wants to destroy all things in the world. I hate him. Well, quite right. 
Well, Angramayo is not a permanent presence, right? He can be killed off. All you need to do to kill off uh, Angramayo is to have good thoughts, good deeds, and good words. And so that's people who practice Zoroastrianism. That's what they they practice as a philosophy: is good thoughts, good deeds, good words. I mean, that's good advice for living in general, isn't it? It's really? awesome. I, I mean, genuinely, as I was reading through all this, I'm like. I kind of like Zoroastrianism. It's really cool. We'll go through it. Everything revolves around the battle between these two, uh, good and evil, the light and the dark. Um, it's said that their battle will continue for thousands more years until a savior appears called Seoshant, um, who it just so happens to be born to a virgin mother. I don't know where you might have heard that from before. Mm, that's a familiar tale, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and he will lead the charge against the forces of evil and bring about the end times. Um, this is the times where the bad guys will be burned by rivers of molten metal, the gates of hell will open, and all the damned souls will be released, and we'll all live together in eternal bliss. Uh, and so this was the chief religion of Iran um, for like a thousand years, really long time, and uh, broader than Iran. It was part of the Persian Empire until around about 650 AD, uh, when the Islamic forces step into Persia and they start to persecute the Zoroastrians. So they flee uh, Iran and they go to India and they create the Parsi community, um, which is still the largest community of Zoroastrians on earth. Beyond that, they migrate across the world and you can find Zoroastrianism in Singapore, Hong Kong, Zanzibar. I'm going to go myself. Yep. Freddie Mercury's parents, Zoroastrianists. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's where this comes from. And uh, Nauritz. Uh, New Day, it represents a feast day in Zoroastrianism. It celebrates the arrival of spring and is a victory of light over darkness. So over those two forces we were talking about, and that's what it represents. And that's what everybody still to this day, hundreds of million every year, that's what they're celebrating. I can get that. I can get behind that. Spring is, it's so primal, isn't it? That urge to get out and celebrate oh and emerge from the darkness. dark nights. Yeah. Into, into the light. Exactly. Where things start to grow again and things are born and it's happier so times. Happening. We're starting again. We're, exactly we're doing this. Right. And so you want to celebrate. And so, yeah, it's birth of the new year. Uh, Mother nature is going through its renewal and its new cycle. And so it's a big old holiday. In Kazakhstan, the whole month of March is known as Nauritz. So we're in Nauritz right now uh, as we're approaching the end of March. Happy Nauritz, everyone, in Kazakhstan? Indeed. Um, and it's celebrated mostly over several days from March 21st, and that's when the public holidays kick in. And they the celebrations are everywhere. They take place on squares, parks, streets, in houses, all across all regions and cities. So this is going to go on, on our visit list, isn't it? Kazakhstan during Naritz. During Naritz, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, and so it, people focus on the idea of renewal, obviously, for starting the new year, rebirth, and the chance to start again. So it's kind of a way of wiping the slate clean. Um, people celebrate with their family, with neighbours, friends, strangers, and so on. And you might say, uh, approach somebody and say, cock them to thee. Cock them to thee to you too. Spring is born. You might shout that. I like it. Yeah. You might say, Naritz Miami Kitibolsin. Naritz. Achmol Bilsin. Oh, yes. I haven't finished yet. Oh, Again, pronunciation apologies to everyone. Happy Naritz. Let white be in abundance. And white is milk, essentially. So let milk be in abundance. Happy Naritz. Let white be in abundance. Um, short, shorter version of that, if you see somebody like a friend, so I guess the informal version of that would be just Naritz Kuti Bolsin. Happy Naritz. Naritz Kuti Bolsin, right? And I would say Bogui Bolsin, which just means same to you. 
You too, buddy. Yeah. So there's house cleaning, settling debts, forgiving past offences by others, um, poets. Well, it sounds something like something we could all use in our lives. It sounds it, great. Really? It genuinely sounds great. Poets are called in. They compete in competitions. There is. I do um, want to pit poets against one another. Yeah, in a big old fight. <laughs> there is national wrestling. You could combine those two things. That would be great. Uh, there are horse games, uh, Kizkyu and Baiga, different games that you, know, you play with your horses, uh, open-air theatrical performances, uh, and I like this one. Uh, girls and boys play on these really large log swings. They're like three meter high and six meters wide, these swings. And two people stand on a plank, essentially, facing each other and swing uh, you know, back and forth. Um, but it's the opportunity for boys and girls to actually interact with each other. Uh, historically, in fact, it was the only place where they could talk to each other, boys and girls. So it was like, it, it's got this reputation as being quite a sexy place. Well, if there was ever a metaphor for boys and girls communicating with each other, swinging on a lock <laughs> <laughs> in uncertain times feels pretty appropriate. It does. So those are some of the things that happen in Naritz uh, to celebrate. But one of the big things about the holiday is the food. <laughs> I'd like some chocolate, right? <laughs> Let's talk about <laughs> the food. Let's talk about Naritz Kose. All right. The main dish, the like the, the symbolic dish of Naritz is the Kose. And it's offered to all guests in any city and village Wherever you go, you'll be offered some of this. Are you going to offer me a horse's nostril or something in a minute? <laughs> it is a unique recipe. It's cooked with just seven ingredients. Butter. I like butter. Right. Salt. I'm pro-salt. Barley. I like barley, the country, and the food stuff. Rice. Rice is Noodles. Good. Noodles are great. So this is great. Oh, yeah. Kefir. What's kefir? Yeah, like milk. Like a I like milk. Yeah. And horse meat. What? Horse meat. Yeah, I could eat horse meat. Yeah, right. Great. Good news. <laughs> Basically, each of those uh, component ingredients they symbolise seven prosperous um, elements. Seven is the is the is the number for uh, the lucky number for this this period. It's symbolic. It's a near universal lucky number. Isn't it, it is, seven? yeah, especially for Narayats. So, it, growth, luck, happiness, wealth, health, wisdom, and heavenly protection. It's said that to indulge in Narayats Kosha is for your year to be prosperous. And I want you to be, have a prosperous year. I want a year, prosperous Pete. year. I want a prosperous year, Ryan. So let me go get you. Get me some Narrates Kosher. I'm into which it. Which I have made for you. I'm Here very excited. Hold that thought. And you've never made this before, just for the record. <laughs> yeah, okay. So Ryan's bringing me a, what appears to be it's a tray. And now there's, there's some very serious looking Tupperware coming out. <laughs> My nervousness levels are increasing, I'll be honest. He's opened up what appears to be a kind of a yogurt... Exactly oh, it looks quite thick. Uh, it's quite thick. And it's come out of the fridge, so it's a cold, it's thick... A cold dish. It looks kind of a porridgey... You can serve it hot. It's porridgey. It's got... I can see noodles happening. Yeah. I can see noodles. I, oh, it's very thick. It's white. It looks... Uh, there's lumps of some things in it. Happy Naritz, Ryan. This is for my... Here we go. So, I mean, I'll be honest, it sounded really on. good when you explained it to me as a sort Let of get steaming... Steaming yeah. bowl of now rich <laughs> yeah. broth. Yeah. Um, refrigerated looks. Yeah. I how, mean, how are you finding this? This is yeah, the national it's, dish. It's very um, 
Can you see the horse meat? I chunks? can see the horse meat chunks. I might start with the horse meat chunk actually. Do it. That's, uh, I've never had horse meat before. So. Well, here we go. Oh no, the horse is good. Yeah. Mm, all right. Boiled, boiled for two hours. Um, the horse meat. Um, that's how you get the flavour out. Isn't it? For sure. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to take a spoonful of the whole thing. There's noodles kind of hanging off. There's like it's very you white. Can, you can exchange these things, by the way. So the seven ingredients you you can so you, you, didn't, you don't have, if you don't like <laughs> <laughs> if you, don't, you could put chocolate in if you wanted, but if you don't like noodles, for example, you don't have to put those in. So okay. this is it's it's flexible in so the sense as long as you've got seven ingredients in it. All right. So I've got a big spoonful of it. I've got some noodles. Some I'm assuming there's barley in here. There's barley there's in there. There's rice, there's rice in here. In there. There's whole, I've got a good bit of horse meat. I can see yeah, that. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm doing do it. it. Go here for we it. go. Enjoy. Your face is a picture. <laughs> Do tuck in, Pete, because there's a lot of it. I don't know if you, how much. There's, there's probably, really a lot of it. There's probably a liter of, of Narit's kosher here. I think the audio does quite how much of this there is, Justice. <laughs> the good news is, is that if you were there, it's got sour. every house you go to, you would get a bowl of this. That would be really something. <laughs> <laughs> and you would have to make it and prepare it for people that were coming to visit you. So um, I don't the in, it feel I, the component. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry if I'm not articulating, <laughs> articulating this. No, well. no, no. Look, the component parts of it are all right. It's the sort of soury milkiness. It's very sour. Yeah, that's, not, that'll be the kefir. Not loving it. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to have another spoonful. Do it. I'm going to have more horse meat in this one. I think. Yeah, I think, I think the horse meat idea. will balance it out. Yeah. Here we go. Happy so, Nuritz, mate. Happy Nuritz, buddy. <laughs> I made this for you. There's a lot of it. You're going to have to have eat. another good new year. <laughs> you don't <quite> see. <laughs> milky sour, isn't Joking it? Joking <laughs> aside, can you see how this has taken off as the national festival dish? Uh, Hundreds mm. of millions of people are, are, are eating this. Well, I mean, it depends on what you're used to, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted chocolate. I'm going to have another one. I'm going to have another one. I'm going right. to do it. He's going to do it. I think, I'm thinking, it over time. It's one of those things that later on you go, yeah. oh man, I'm really craving some of that now. It's kosher. Horse meat. There we go. And a third big spoonful. Yeah. How's the rice, by the way? Is it cooked? Is it a bit crunchy? Hard to tell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is my cup of tea, to be honest with Is you. it not? Is it not? Okay. Well, look, I think, Pete, you've done a fabulous job. I you've eaten like at the least... horse, though. The horse is all right. I've oh, never yeah. had horse before. That's all right. Well, there you go. It's just, yeah, it's just horse. Right. Okay. Well, well done. I'm going to take that away, put that back in the kitchen. And, um, there's so much of it <laughs> yeah well I'll tell you what and I'm going to go and I, I, clearly you're going to want to like you're going to wash wash that down so let's talk about the next thing on the list <laughs> oh my god your face alone is telling me this isn't the next thing isn't a nice glass of chocolate milk <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a can of a can of pop <laughs> right the next thing, so these are the two dishes, right? Well, not dishes, but the, so uh, Naritz Koshe is, is the, the main dish. Then as a supplementary drink is kumis. So kumis is a fermented dairy product. Ooh, right? Boozy. Boozy, exactly. And it's traditionally made from mare's milk. So it's in Mongolia. It's called Erag. Oh, 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 oh. Can you just pop back a second yeah, yeah, to sorry. that bit In Mongolia, said. it's called Erag. A little bit before Arag. that, just slightly before, just like 10 oh, seconds or so before fermented that. dairy it's fermented product. dairy, yeah. yeah, yeah. Then just the in Mongo- bit after that, uh, traditionally, yeah, the, the oh, uh, traditionally made from mezbah in Mongolia. It's yeah, that called, bit again, only clearer, please. Uh, right, so it's uh, okay. So it's a, a dairy product, uh-huh. uh huh, traditionally made from mare's milk. 
Well, you find the mayor of a town and then milk yeah. that mayor. <laughs> yeah. What if it's a male mayor? I mean, what uh, can you well. do? Uh, no, this is horse milk. Horse milk. Horse milk. Horse milk. Yeah. In Mongolia... Fermented it's, horse milk, though, so, so it's not busy. all bad news. <laughs> In Mongolia, it's called Airag. And uh, yeah, it's a very limited commodity, right? It's hard to get... Horse milk. I, I can imagine. Especially from a male horse. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be getting that And stuff. a horse that's, that's been made mare is even harder to find. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's a special drink for celebrations such as... I can only yeah. imagine that you have been unable to find any of How this. How do you think you go about milking a mare? Well, very cautiously. <laughs> primarily. Correct. Do you want me to tell you? Go on. Okay, so let's say you're the milker, right? I need mm-hmm. you to kneel on one knee. Yeah. I need you to put your pail, your bucket propped up on your other knee yeah and then i need you to hang on steady no, it. that doesn't whoa, whoa, whoa. if i'm kneeling on my knee yeah so i'm kneeling like that and then on my Prop upper it. knee i've got my bucket yeah yeah, 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 yeah i'm yeah. with you yeah now you steady that by a string which is tied to your arm mm-hmm. okay so it's not yeah. going to fall off yeah, yeah now that. one arm is now wrapped around the mare's rear leg just a comforter i guess and the other yeah, in front go. leg Hang on, how big is this horse? <laughs> <laughs> now, you bring a foal, the baby horse, right? and the, the milk starts to flow. All right. Because the, the foals, they recognize the foal and exactly, go, I need to milk, yeah. I need to And so then, <laughs> then you've got to pull that horse foal away. Right. How am I doing this? I've already got one arm around the front I'm, and the back of the horse. I'm telling you the instructions. All right, fine. You pull the foal away, but you don't let it go too far. You leave it touching the mare's side. So the mayor knows just that the, the top foal the is there <laughs> just during the entire... Right. And then, then you're able to continue milking because then it I thinks milk. that you are the foal. Right. Okay. It feels so, dangerous. Easy. During one season, a mare, or female horse, produces approximately 1,000 litres of milk. Plenty for my needs. Which is enough milk to replace the volume of blood in 100 people. Just as a... Is that your metric? That's my metric, (laughs) Five litres per person of blood. Right, okay. So the volume of that that, is about 200 people's worth of um, of milk. That is going to be coming out at some point as evidence against you, Ryan, but just... 200 people's (laughs) worth of blood is the volume. How do you measure volume of liquid, Ryan? (laughs) The amount of humans I can replace their blood of, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, right. So traditional kumis... It's created by adding the unpasteurized raw mare's milk straight into a large horse saddle bag. And it's huge as well in your yurt, your nomadic yurt, and uh, which already contains at the bottom of that that bag some of the previous fermented kumis. Because you need the the culture. Culture, absolutely. Exactly. Otherwise, what's the point? And then over the course of hours or days, Mm -hmm. uh, the whole family takes turns to stir it. Uh, well, it. I mean, you can't just stir all day yourself. You've got to share the task. Yeah, clearly. it's about 5,000 times. Basically, everyone's getting involved because it's a fun thing to do. Do they chalk, chalk up a Similar turn. to making butter. <laughs> so you just put your splodger in and you're splodging just it about 5,000 turns. All right. Alternatively, you can strap it to a saddle and joggle Ride it around the... while you're riding a horse. Steps. Indeed. So during fermentation, lactobacilli bacteria acidify the milk and yeasts from the previous batch turn it into a carbonated and alcoholic drink about I mean, 0.7 to 2.5 percent why else would you buy a soda stream if not to carbonate milk and Horse ideally milk. make it alcoholic and then drink that yeah why wouldn't you do that so do you want to try some yes good stuff here we go so have you made this or have you in some way 
Right, you need to explain this because now looking at it, I'm already nervous. Okay, so this is some homebrew kumis. Homebrew kumis. Yeah. So, so, so I, you, did I you found... milk the mayor? No, I didn't. No, <laughs> the mayor of Croydon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Uh, I look at there was one place in England that sells mayor's milk. And so I bought the only, I, I could only buy a small amount of it. So we have about, that's okay by we me. Have about 500 <laughs> mil, we have about 500 milliliters of it. So this is home brewed. It's been, it feel the pressure of that. So did you, oh my good Lord. That is ready this to is, go. That is ready to pop. So, it? Yeah. It is, there's a kind of a grayish yeah. looking liquid. Yeah. It's so, not what I would have described as well, milk. So I've made this. Have you this given it 5,000 turns? <laughs> I couldn't find a horse, so this is my... Yeah, this is 5,000... Well, about 3,000. So I just... in put 2003 it in a, now. Put it in a carbonated... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I put the milk into a bottle. Yeah. And I churn it. So just turning it up, up and down for um, about 3,000 times. Uh, about an hour and a half. And then I added some back to silly... Whatever it was. Um, and then some yeast, some honey, a little bit of sugar, and leave it in a warm place for right. the past two days. So not only is this home-brewed, what was it called? Kumis. This is not only home-brewed kumis, it's yeah. also your first go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just so right. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so we have two glasses. I'm going to join you in Okay, this. that's good. Right. That, that makes me feel a lot better, to be honest. Now, as you've just felt, this bottle that is, is solid. That is, that is going <laughs> to... That is gonna. That is gonna go. So here we go. All Are right. you ready? I'm re- I, as ready as I'm gonna be. I mean, I think right, let's this see if is... I capture this in the mic. Here we go. We're gonna open the bottle. Oh, yummy that smell! Was... Doesn't smell. Oh my good! Look at the foam on that. Oh, look at that! It's frothed up now. We've got a little horse milk. If you beer. imagine like what cream soda would look like if it had much more of a milk base. This is awesome. It's not as fizzy as I was oh, expecting. Oh, it's fizzy. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Shall I right. go for it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think we're going to be having it again in the near future, are we? Okay, here we go. All right. All pop, right. Well, pop, pop the lid on. Pop the lid on. Are we, and we're still celebrating... Um, Noritz. Noritz, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is, so you've had your milky, yogurty, delicious... Delicious meal of kosher. barley and And now such. you're going to have your... Cheers, mate. Your mare's milk. Happy Noritz. It smells like a, a, a light beer. And do you know why that is? Because oh. I used beer yeast okay. to make this. So here we go. Oh, that is fizzy. It's sort of weakly fizzy. Yeah, it's like a it's weak milk, isn't it? It's like a yeah. very thin milk. It's really thin, isn't it? I actually was not like too that. bad. <laughs> I actually quite like that. <laughs> I was expecting something much worse. This is actually pretty decent. I, I don't mind that. Yeah, it's quite refreshing. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I could have put that in the fridge and we could add it cold rather than... Coom- cold kumis, I suspect, would be nicer. But yeah. do you know what? This is all right. If are I'm on gonna... the steps and I'm in a yurt and someone goes here, I have a slug of that. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm in. Done. Get so drunk on. Up. Get drunk on that. I mean, it's very light, isn't it? 2.7, uh, 2.5. Yeah, I know. It's, it's all right. You're necking that, I'm aren't you? I'm doing it. I'm having it. H-H-E Kumis. Let's, um, let's get some a stables set up. Right. I mean... Well, we should start From merch. the classically famous Croydon stables. <laughs> <laughs> we start selling some I still think there's a market for milking the mayor of Croydon, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Mm. That is Naritz. You have to pull the Kumis from my hands in order to get me to do the next section that's really nice thanks Ryan. no worries do you um, want some more kosher before you no, uh, before you no, finish this section <laughs> <laughs> let me take that away from you you're cold there i actually don't know where this one is <laughs> oh, right. 
Yeah, we're still here at two in the morning, tearing the place apart. <laughs> Tear the drywall down. <laughs> it's under the floorboards. Normal service will resume shortly. He's got the egg! I've got the egg! Victory is mine! <laughs> right. So I have a sip of... Uh, Kumis? Kumis? Yep. It's a bit warm. Has it sort of made itself warm somehow? Well, no, it's been brewing in my laundry room. Oh, okay. That's uh, appetizing. I mean, right. I didn't put my laundry in it. It's got like a vanilla-y taste. Uh, yeah, it's, it's genuinely nice. Yeah. I'm going to finish that for sure. Yeah. It's like a fizzy milkshake. And I have discovered, sir, number one. Number one. All right. Let's see if this is any better, shall we? <laughs> the face you made suggests it's not. <laughs> Pasca and coolish that's what i call this section okay they How friends, you feeling about they, that pasco and coolish they, they sound like great people yeah they're great people <laughs> during the holy week okay orthodox christians make enormous quantities of traditional russian easter foods hundreds of people will pack baskets Full of sausage and cabbage and horseradish and hard-boiled eggs and other, you know, sort of traditional foods. And they cover it in a red and white embroidered cloth. Nice. Straightforward, right? Then they bring the food to the church on Great Saturday, which is the day before Easter Sunday. Okay, so they're at church. During the midnight Easter service, after the Paschal Vigil, which is... Uh, basically the um, official celebration of Jesus's resurrection, all the food is then blessed by the priest. So he, all the food will be outside the church because they can't fit it inside. So he'll go out, literally hundreds of people will be gathered around with candlelight and waiting for their food to be blessed by the priest who comes along, sprinkles holy water on it, says a few magic words and away we go. At 4am on the Sunday, after the hour in which Christ is said to have risen from the dead, quarters of hard-boiled eggs are handed out to everyone. Have a little quarter of a hard-boiled egg. Vodka and champagne are poured. You can see your little face eager to see whether or not there's going to be vodka and champagne. If I get an egg at this point, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody wants, it just sets about eating everything. Okay, so it's a, it's a, a celebration at this point. And you've been waiting until 4am, so you're Jesus probably going to be keen for vodka and egg. Absolutely. So everybody's eating everything, all these sausages and cabbages and all that stuff. And they finish with the twin desserts of Pascha. And Kulish. So let's talk about Pasco and Kulish. I think we should. Pasco. It's the name for a Russian cheesecake. Okay. It's shaped in a four-sided pyramid. It's this really bizarre shape, and which is like a sweet, creamy cheesecake. Um, and it's decorated often with like glacé fruits, um, just sprinkled around it. Now, that pyramid shape, four-sided pyramid, it represents one, the church, Calvary, the hill that Jesus died on, and also the tomb that Jesus was buried in. So it's a symbolic cake. It is made using foods that are forbidden during Lent. So it's got cheese, specifically Tvorog cheese, which is known as farmer's cheese, but over here in the UK, cottage cheese, ricotta, that sort of thing. Right. Um, but it's like dry. Oh, cottage than cheese, that. farmer's cheese, right? It's cottage cheese was called cottage cheese because it was the sort of farmer's making yeah. cheese that people would make at home. As it turns out, cottage cheese is a little bit wetter, but yes, um, farmer's cheese to forog is a, is a drier cheese. Uh, butter, sour cream, 
raisins, vanilla, candied fruits and nuts, all those things, they're you know, banned during Lent. Now you're allowed to have them. So they pop them all in a cake, put it in this big pyramidal shape and away it goes. It's really striking um, and you could decorate them all and it's it's a beautiful thing to behold. It's white uh, and with the white symbolizes the purity of Christ, uh, the paschal lamb and uh, the joy of the resurrection. So it's, again, this hugely symbolic dish. Uh, it's made using a mold called the Pashonitsa, um, which is either wooden or these days plastic. The one that I've used is plastic. Um, and it's made of sort of four sides, so four tablets. And on the inside of those is cut out letters X and B, which stand for Christos los Crias, which sounds Mexican in my language. <laughs> but, uh, I'm sure it's Christos los Crias, which means Christ is risen. And there are other images as well that are they're emblazoned on these things, uh, so often to do with the resurrection or the suffering and the resurrection of Christ. So you've got the cross on there, you've got spears, uh, sprouted grains and flowers, things to indicate, you know, sort of that change. Um, but if you don't have that, some people just use like a simple clay pot, pop it in that. And it's all about that getting that pyra pyramidical shape which is quite beautiful. So, I've made you some pasca. Hooray! Right? Do you want to see it? I'm yeah, I do. All right, let's go. I, you've done you've got you've done well so far, so I'm Thanks, pretty man. excited this is going to be good. All right, well here we go. I'm going to go get it. Right, he's headed to the fridge. He's got a spring in his step like it's gone quite well for him. He's returning. Uh he's closing the fridge. He's oh, he's got his back to me so I cannot see it. There's no spoilers. <laughs> So uh, I, I, it's on a plate, a standard sort of white round plate. Yeah, do, do um, describe it, Pete. What are you uh, looking at? So um, the pyramidical shape is, uh, is that striking you? Height-wise, <laughs> it's about maybe one centimeter. Uh, one it looks like a a puddle. It's a puddle, <laughs> a is what I describe. A it's a puddle yeah. slash blob. Yeah, a white puddle. Yeah. Um, he's decorated it with flowers in his defence. Yeah, history um, on the puddle of what is allegedly the pyramid, pyramid. shape though. it's the, the pyramid right it's a, i mean if you imagine you had a pyramid and then you melted that pyramid into a puddle mm. that's what we've got interesting I, I i mean i value your interpretation i don't see what you're seeing i see a beautiful pyramid shape no look we're joking um I, this isn't this it's is gone very badly visual, wrong hasn't it, Ryan? it's gone very badly wrong <laughs> the pyramid shape i didn't uh you're supposed to sieve the cheese to get all the moisture out you I did. don't think I did that long enough <laughs> because what happened when I pulled the the plastic sides off of the mold was it just collapsed into a, a blob is really it the is best way of describing it. I mean, it's a nice blob. I'm sure it will taste delicious. It's a lovely blob. Um, yeah. I tried really hard, Pete. I'll be honest. I'm very disappointed that it turned into a blob. Mate, it's... I mean, it's a blob, but I haven't tasted it yet. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I was going to try and defend it, but yeah. if it was supposed to be a pyramid, it's a pretty gigantic I, failure. I fear that throwing holy water on it would only cause it to vomit and spin I, its I, head round. I, do you remember the scene in The Thing where they put the <laughs> hot wire and the blood runs off? I yeah. suspect if you tried to put holy water on this, it would scamper away. It would. <laughs> With it, a almost sentient definitely. cake. <laughs> <laughs> the horror that is my cake that's shouting kill me <laughs> I don't want to live like this I'm supposed to be a pyramid <laughs> I'm sure it's tasty though have I you got tried have you got I a knife? tried so much I need a knife I want to taste this well uh, you're going to try in a thing. second you're going to try in a second oh he's got his partner thing Kulich. Kulak. Let's, let's come to Kulak. Please do. Okay, so Kulak is an orthodox Easter bread uh, shaped like a cylinder. Oh, God. 
with a rounded end. Hang on, what's a cylinder? Picture in your mind a, what a cylinder with a rounded end might look like. Just a... Like a what? Like a... <laughs> <laughs> what does it remind you of, Pete? Well, it sounds like a rounded end cylinder, doesn't it? Oh, does it? it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A cylinder with a rounded okay. yeah, like and, a grain silo. And what if you were to put some white on top, like some white icing <laughs> drizzled on top of that well, cylinder like with a, a round a end? A grain silo in the snow. A ground, yeah, well, that's funny because that's what it is, is a cylinder bread with a round end with white drizzled on top. The, the bread's bulging top, rounded top. <laughs> Is supposed to represent a church dome, right? <laughs> with snow on it. <laughs> but the origin is in Kievan Rus. This is where this this comes from. Kievan Rus, Kievan Rus, I'm which we fan, talked about we last know. episode, episode twenty-four. Yeah, and uh, it, it was more likely to represent spring and fertility in those in, ways. In those ways. <laughs> <laughs> so you bake it to make that amazing shape, like that hefty, girthy shape that yeah. it's got. Uh, it's baked in in um, <laughs> in tall cylindrical tins, like baked bean tins. Did you have to buy a mold for this? No, baked bean tins. I bought fruit oh. tins, and you you literally you, like a lot of the recipes just say just use a, a tin can. You so want to see this thing? Well, it's coming. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Uh, and it's a semi-sweet bread. It's uh, like uh, similar to Italian. I, I can use it to mop up my puddle of pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. It's similar to Italian panettone, if you've had that. I love panettone. Well, you're going to love this then. Uh, it's only eaten during the Easter week. So we're, depending on when this goes out, let's just pretend it's during the Easter week. Uh, and it is served with Pascha, or rather it's often served with, with Pascha, which is the pyramid. All right. Served as in like you spread it on it or you just eat a bit of one and a bit of the other? Let me tell you. All right. Let me tell you. I'm going to tell you. I hope you tell me. So you get the domed cap, the, you know, the the rounded end of the The cylinder. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You just grip that (laughs) tightly. (laughs) And then you get a knife (laughs) and you cut it off. (laughs) I think this kumis has gone to our heads, mate. (laughs) <laughs> it's, just, it's that milk and is then you, we're drunk on we're drunk milk on already milk, horse milk and then you cut cross slices of the cylinder and then you, <laughs> <laughs> you spread and then you spread the pashka on it and then you eat it spread the pashka on the sliced round silo yeah 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 the and then, you, <laughs> you and then the great part of it is because you can then replace the cap onto the reduced shrunken Oh, well, like a crust, so you use a crust in your bread, like right? a crust on a bread, yeah, oh, right. and it protects it. So it's actually really useful. It just gets smaller and smaller as you're using it. It's a helpful end. It's a helpful end. And so, yeah, and then when you've got the cap and the, the, the just like, it's just like a little mushroom. <laughs> yeah. Just the bottom bit and the top bit. Connoisseurs of, the, of these people who... They uh, <laughs> they recommend <laughs> they pop it in their mouths. It's <laughs> a tasty treat. <laughs> they pop in their mouths. It's a tasty treat. <laughs> so oh, yeah, should I? So shall I go get some? Oh, please do. All right, I'm going to go get some. All right, I'm going to go get some. 
Okay, he's going to the other room. I thought he was going to a fridge or a cupboard or something. I thought, where are you storing this stuff, Ryan? Oh my gosh, it looks amazing. Yeah, so this one works. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, contrary to the puddle that was supposed to be a pyramid, these are genuinely like cylindrical with rounded end things with a lovely little icing top, like, a, like you might see on a Christmas pudding or Christmas cake rather, and uh, little nice little flowers for decoration. That looks amazing. Okay. Let me get my headphones out. Right. So here we go. They this look great. Is, so this is the Pasco. They're both called Pasco. But this one uh, is also called Kulich as well. This was just easier to just sort of say. So okay. we have, um, yes, yeah, so we've got a knife here. So we've I'm got gonna, a, a yeah, choice of four different sizes. So pick one which feels more relevant to you. I think. The larger one or the small one? It's this one. This medium sized one medium with a solid one. girth seems like something that okay. I Okay. I've also got one here for to. the connoisseur if you wanted one without the icing. Oh, no, 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 no. We need the okay. icing. Right. So I'm going to so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna take cut. it just under the uh, end. Oh, under the rim. It's kind of squeaky. I'm going to cut a slice for you and a slice for me. Okay. That sounds how, good. How thin? Right? Well, that? I mean, that's like bread that. size, I guess. Yeah. Right. So that's happening. And then I'll pop the lid back on to preserve it. As per your instruction. Yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. It's quite solid, actually, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay, and I'm going to... Uh, oh, hang on. Oh, crikey. Oh, well, there's a knife here. Right. There I'm you gonna go. Spread some of the pyra Pasca. pyramid Pasca. on uh, on a slice. Oh, that's quite soft. I thought that would be... Well, this is the thing. Maybe I took the, the, the sides off too soon because it, maybe I hadn't This set. was never going to stay up, mate. This is like a... Yeah, like right. a, fair enough. I should have strained the cheese more. I have a bit of that. Thank you very much. Just spread a nice bit of that. This I'll have great. one for myself. Hang on one second. Yep. Just going to pop this one on. Uh, a bit of that on there. I can smell it. It's a very pungent smell. The Not the bread, the um, the cheesy thing. Okay, let's try. These well, are edible flowers, by the way, on these. Oh, okay. The little spring flowers. You can you can eat one of those. Is, and is that a traditional decoration? No. Or do you well, just you can do. Would be no, you can. You can put, uh, like, hundreds of thousands, like the little sprinkles, uh, you usually put on the kulich. On the pasca, you can decorate it. With, it's usually, like, the candied uh, fruits okay, and things. Right. So cherries and... I'm going for it. I've got a good spread on here. I'm gonna you have. I'm going to have a good old... Bite. All right, let's do it. Here we go. Let's do it. Here we go. All right. Happy Easter. It's known fact that chewing sounds make great mm. audio entertainment. And don't wind people up at all. Mm, this is really good, actually. Cool. I, ha I have to say, Ryan, it don't look nothing like a pyramid, but it tastes pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like ice cream. Melted ice cream. Is, yeah, it's really it's really sweet, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's melted ice cream. It's, it's the smell. It's very vanilla-y. Mm, it's delicious. I love ice cream and vanilla. Mm. I like so this very the, much. This would have been better had it have been blessed by a priest, I think. Even your unholy delicious treat is mm. still nice. Well, thanks, man. Well, there no, you go. That's really good. All right. Yeah, it's a success. I think that's, uh, I mean, visuals aside, I think that's an absolute success. I mean, I don't know what you're saying. I see a pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> right, don't forget to put the cap on the bread. There we go. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? All right. No, that was really good, Ryan. Well done. And that's it. All right, bye. <laughs> I mean, I've got nothing else. That was amazing, man. You've fed me. You've some nice things. Um, <laughs> you've taught me an enormous amount about Easter, about Kazakhstan. Yep. You had a big challenge because it was an Easter special in a country that doesn't celebrate Easter. Not entirely. I think you've, you've risen to the challenge and done an incredible job. So thank you very much. That was both fascinating and, for the most part, delicious. Thank you very much, man. Cheers. I raise Happy a, Easter. I raise a glass of fizzy horse milk. Happy Easter or happy Naritz. Happy Easter, happy Naritz, happy whatever you may believe out whatever there, you people. May believe.
So this is going to be a hard act to follow, but let's see what we have to do next week. Episode 26. Let's see what it is. Right. Shall I crank up the Durzen one later? Fire it up. All right, here we go. Have you got enough coal? Uh, I need 10p to put in the meter. Okay, hang on. Here you here go. go. Click, click. It's going. Can you hear it? All right, here we go. And your country for episode 26 will be... Oh, okay. So, <laughs> okay, so this is interesting. Uh, we've got a wild card again. Okay. For your country. But last time we'd said that, because last time I just end. chose the country. Yeah. But then we realized that we should probably just wait till the end to pick the country, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So we wait for your country and put that at the end. All okay. Right. So your time period is 1985 to 1990. <gasps> Five year period. That's and a period I was there for, so that's pretty <laughs> yeah. exciting. So, okay, so with the country of your choice. Uh, and do you want to know the topic? Yes, sir. Okay, the topic is... Oh, man. How is this possible? Wild card again. Ooh, so, so what should we do here? We've not had this before. This is new. Two wild cards. So, so I feel <laughs> like I should... So here's a, an interpretation of this, right? I don't. It feels like too much to let me choose wide shoulder padded jackets in Croydon in the 1980s, mm. which is where what I'm definitely going with this, if yeah. you let me have this whole thing. Um, I would suggest we should say, I could pick one of the wild cards and the other one will roll again. Okay. So so we had a wild card country. Yeah. 85 to 90 and a wild card topic. Yeah. I'm going to say, re-roll the topic and I'll wild card the country. All right. Okay. We are re-rolling the wild card topic. Oh, this is brilliant. Ghosts. Ghosts? Ghosts. Ghosts in the 1980s. Ooh. I don't think I could have been more happier about a topic unless it was aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to have to do it. You yeah, <laughs> but I have to sit here and listen to it. Oh, that's true. You're going to enjoy this, aren't you? Ghosts, right. So Ghosts, ghosts in 1985 in... to 1990. Oh, so you've got to pick a country now, haven't you? Yeah. All right, so we need to hit the 30-second thing. Timer starts. Now. Okay, so I want to be somewhere where there's ghosts in the 80s. So it doesn't have to be super old. It could be recent ghosts. Somewhere with a good tradition of spookiness and superstition. Uh, ideally, that will be mostly in English so I can research it properly. Uh, can't be too new. I'm going to say the United States. Holy moly, United States. Yeah. This is like Ghostbusters era, isn't it? 1985 to 1990. I'm going to do a whole episode on the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. <laughs> Amazing. Who are you going to call? Pete Goddard. That's correct, sir. I will solve your ghosty problems from the 80s. I'm so excited. This is great. Right, so we've got the United States of America, 1985 to 1990, over the topic of ghosts. Man, I'm excited to hear this one. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> But the good news is, uh, you are going to be so easily pleased with this. This is, this this like, is things Ryan so likes. Up my show. I, I'm just <laughs> jealous I didn't get this one. So uh, that is the end of the show for this week. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch about any of the things we've talked about in the episode, we can be found on our Twitter account, HHE Podcast, or you can email us, Podcast at gmail.com. You never know, you might end up featured on a future show. That's right. And one way to definitely feature on a future show is to rate and review us um, on the Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, you can find and join discussions about the show on Facebook and Reddit, so make sure to subscribe to those, as well as Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, where a hit of history happened everywhere will magically appear in your feed every day. That's one of our little bits or one of our little bites. 
Uh, we'll be back again soon with another episode. But in the meantime, look out for The Verdict, our after-show podcast, where their raconteur, judge, jury and executioner Paul Dursley will join us to grade and make fun of our weekly efforts. And if that's not enough, we now have a growing archive of old shows, 25 of them, in fact, uh, which you can download and listen to whenever you want. And you can find those on YouTube, your podcast provider, or at hhepodcast.com. All that leaves to say is... You've been listening to... History happened everywhere.